Hello, and welcome to Adam and Eve on CJSR-FM 88.5 in Edmonton and around the world on CJSR.com. My name is Len Chan. And my name is Autumn Mornchuk, and we'll be your hosts for today's episodes of Adam and Eve. Thanks for tuning in. Adam and Eve is Edmonton's only feminist radio show. We are adamant on highlighting, discussing, and engaging with issues that affect women across Edmonton and around the world. On this week's episode, we're featuring a discussion of the film Hustlers. We hosted a roundtable here at CJSR, and you'll hear from that recording very shortly. But first, we'll give you some context on the film itself. Hustlers was released on the 13th of September, 2019. It was a huge box office success, grossing over $100 million in its worldwide release. It is the ninth film directed by Laureen Scarfia and stars Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu as the main characters. The film also depicts the lives of sex workers, a labor practice that is overwhelmingly criminalized in society and often misrepresented in film. Because of the subject matter and seeing as so many women were involved both on and off screen in the film, we thought this would make for a fascinating feminist discussion. We invited guests Laura Cruz and Fia Frisky to join Adam and Eve contributors Autumn Mornchuk, Wen Chan, and Rose Eva Forge Jenkins for our roundtable. We're splitting that discussion up into two parts. This week, you'll hear about our thoughts on the film. Then, in a future episode, you'll see how we used the film as a jumping off point to talk about sex work. We'll be discussing the difference between sex work and trafficking, what exploitation means with a capitalist system, and what we can do to support sex workers in our community. So stay tuned for that episode in two weeks' time. But first, we're going to hear about the film Hustlers, just letting folks know that we do discuss the ending of the film, so there will be spoilers. Now that you've been warned, let's take a listen. So starting off, welcome to our discussion of the film Hustlers. My name is Rose Eva Forbes Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her. I'm a regular contributor of Adam and Eve and have been doing so since 2013. Um, I have a film studies degree that I got in 2014, but since then have not really been watching any intellectual movies and have mostly stuck to Netflix. Recently, The Glass Blowing Show, if anyone has any opinions and want to discuss that in a feminist way, I've got, I've got a lot of them, so. My name is Fia Frisky. Uh, my pronouns are she and her. Um, I am also a film studies uh, graduate, 2015. Uh, I think I've watched an equal amount, honestly, although I did see 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time last weekend, so uh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my film studies credentials, I don't know about those. The straight boy Uh, canon, that's that's (laughs) an essential viewing. Didn't mind it. Um, uh, I have been here once before to talk about a different movie that was also great. I'm pretty sure it was Get Out. It was awesome. Um, Yeah. My name is Laura Cruz. My pronouns are she and her. Uh, I'm one of the co-hosts of the socialist film podcast, Kino Lefter, that records out of Edmonton, Alberta as well. And uh, we take a pointedly left uh, wing analysis look at uh, whatever movie's popular this week. So I've seen every movie this year, only this year. That's a running joke on the podcast is that I've never seen any movie older than 2018. (laughs) Hello, I'm Wen. I'm a new person here on the show. Um, This would be my first time actually participating in one of these things going on, these discussions. Um, I am a fourth year student here at the university 
in sociology and psychology. And my relationship with films and stuff is just watching them for fun. So I've never really dealt with like a critical talk of film before, but I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, my name's Autumn Mornchuk. I'm in my last year of my Bachelor of Kinesiology here at the University of Alberta. And I predominantly uh, research female para-athletes and what it's like to break kind of typical female conventions in sport and looking at gender norms in sport. So I'm very passionate about um, sociology and women's issues and things like that. And I'm actually getting my grad school application together. It's already October. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, it's very stressful. Um, And my relationship to films is I love movies. Me and my family are very large movie buffs. And uh, my mom from a young age has gotten us to look at movies critically. We used to play a game about who could spot the most product placement uh, in (laughs) films growing up. And I wasn't allowed to watch things like the Powerpuff Girls because of its uh, portrayal of like the headless, like his wife doesn't have a head and only kind of shows her breasts. Um, And so we used to talk about unrealistic portrayals of femininity all the time in film. So I'm excited to have this discussion with all of you. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here. And uh, now Wen is going to give us a uh, quick synopsis of the film Hustlers. Okay. Uh, Working as a stripper to make ends meet, Destiny's life changes forever when she becomes friends with Ramona, the club's top money earner. Ramona soon shows Destiny how to finagle her way around a wealthy Wall Street clientele who frequent the club. But when the 2008 economic collapse cuts into their profits, the gals and two other dancers devise a daring scheme to take their lives back. So first of all, I think um, one of the things that I noticed the most in the film was the relationship between Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez. So if we want to talk a bit about that. I thought that was great, obviously. I think uh, when I was reading about the original story that this, the the article that this is uh, story is based on, um, that's obviously a, a large part of it. Um, Destiny, yeah, Destiny um, and Ramona's relationship seemed to obviously start because of financial reasons and uh, maintain that, but obviously blossomed into something a little bit different as well. Um, I think one of the potential, I wouldn't say downfalls, but something that I found interesting was how in the, almost towards the end of the film is when that was more explicitly um, discussed or outlined. I mean, it's obviously implicit throughout the entire time because... Um, you know, when they're reunited, the the emotion behind that scene is obviously important. But Destiny explicitly saying how she feels about Ramona is reserved until feels like the last 10 minutes of the movie, um, which is maybe problematic. I don't know. It could have been just a, a directorial choice, an editing choice. But um, yeah, that was interesting. I think that uh, throughout the film, there was quite a bit of care that was being shown between Ramona and between Destiny. You have those those scenes where Destiny is speaking about how she's you know struggling 
because her her partner just left her and she has this baby now so she's not working at the club anymore and it's really hard for her and Ramona's saying you can come move in with me I can take care of you we can bring your grandmother over so there's this very almost like kind of maternal um, aspect to it my co-host Evan McDonald on uh, Kino Lefter has uh, what we call the uh, Evan McDonald theory where all films made after 2000 the no all films made after the the financial crash are about confronting toxic masculinity uh, while working through your uh, trauma with your chosen family. And this is definitely one that fits into this, uh, the, the McDonald theorem. And uh, uh, because they really, in this club, they, they create this bond of sisterhood between a lot of the dancers. Uh, you see them in um, situations where they're celebrating Christmas together and getting each other gifts. So it really is intertwined very closely in this um in this vision of, of accumulation and capital, like you were saying, Fia. Um, but I also think that um, part of care uh, is sharing food and sharing time and sharing resources. And they have almost this, um, you know, they're called hustlers. Uh, and that's like a, almost like a lower class term um, to like be on your hustle, to, to be like looking out for yourself but also keeping those around you um, comfortable and making sure that you're sharing those things and and embodying that value that like money is to be uh, spent on yourself and, and those around you so I think uh, that's that's what really stood out to me about the uh, relationship there yeah I really like your point on that sharing aspect of how um, they're doing this for the money and for their reasons beyond that of like empowering themselves financially out of their current situations, which are pretty not so great. Um, also supporting their families. I think JLo's character, Ramona. Ramona, sorry. Yes, she does this all for her kid. And I think there's something very special about that. Same for Destiny, um, like supporting her grandma through this, buying her jewelry is like a very symbolic representation especially in Asian culture um, jewelry is a big part of showing your wealth and showing like how well off you are and aspects of success but also that camaraderie around them is also always a team effort throughout the whole movie they always work in a team and even at the end there's a level of care and sentiment that even though Destiny and Ramona's character aren't close at the end, there's still a level of trust and love between them. Yeah, I was uh, just to jump off of uh, your point about um, the like the lack of daddy issues or trauma that leads uh, a lot of these women to uh, work um, not being shown in this movie. Uh, I think that that's one of its strengths in terms of the ways that it uh, depicts sex work is... Um, like you were saying, Rosiva, um, the grandma is there. Grandma seems to know what's what's good. <laughs> and, and, you know, she's given her stacks of cash and there's no real like judgment or um, or any kind of, you know, negative repercussions. Uh, uh, nobody really gets I mean, people do get assaulted in this movie, but none of the women do to kind of move the plot forward or be punished for their involvement in sex work. And it's really kind of shown as a job. It's not uh, moralized about. It's shown as a, a thing that you can be skilled at and that you can um, use to support your family. Um, it's, you know, undeniably got negative aspects, but what job doesn't? 
Something that um, I was thinking about, uh, though, when we're talking about uh, the, the, the depiction of sex work is, um, and it's not really discussed for too long, so, and I think that was probably a good thing from the way that it was going, but um, the specific moment when uh, Destiny returns to uh, the club and um, a lot of the girls are, you know, providing uh, sexual acts for money in exchange for money and um, that happens and it's almost depicted as like completely demoralizing for her. Um, so it's interesting that in a film that is about sex work, uh, there's like a hierarchy being created, right? Which is, uh, which isn't great. Um, also, you know, uh, depicting like the, uh, the other girls that are there now who are immigrants, uh, largely, uh, perf- you know, doing that type of work, uh, that's kind of concerning, but, um, but it is also the main driver and also the main driver for why she decides to do to kind of take it to the next step as well, um, you know, with with Ramona and that diner scene that I actually love. <laughs> yeah, we actually talked about, um, like, the hierarchy of sex work. I found that, like, a really interesting point in the film that that is, like, oh, I'll be a stripper and that's okay, but I won't, like, give a blowjob for money because mm-hmm. that's, like, a level that I won't sink to, which I think is kind of a dangerous depiction because I think regardless of, of what type of sex work you engage in, that's still legitimate work, whether you're giving sexual favors for money or or just stripping or anything like that. So I think that that was something that I definitely didn't agree with in the film. I was like, ooh, why is that scene is like so terrible? And then as well, like there's even a point when Lily Reinhardt's character, Annabelle, I think is her name, talks like and asks Ramona like, oh, are we going to have to go back to dancing? And Ramona's like, no, you're done with that now. We just kind of do like this hustling thing. So I think it was there was like levels where it was like where they were kind of rising to like a better level of sex work than the other girls that are engaged in it, which I thought was maybe not like a super great depiction. I think that that's like so true. I totally agree with what both of you are saying. And there's, um, you know, full service sex work uh, involving, you know, sexual contact between a provider and their clientele has is like marginalized in comparison to not full contact. And then within uh, full contact sex work, you've, you've got levels within that, like indoor workers, outdoor workers, um, outdoor workers being the ones who are exposing themselves to the most risk, working on the street, going into clients' cars, as opposed to, and and tend to be uh, people who are more um, marginalized and uh, users of drugs, those kinds of things. And uh I I wouldn't say that this movie's depiction of sex work and its relationship to sex work was perfect, but I think when we see most films that uh, depict any kind of of, of sex work uh, at all, it's um, a morality tale, and this was definitely not in that traditional kind of sense. And, of course, a, a large part of, you know, defying expectations in a film is the fact that this film doesn't focus very much at all on either the male gaze really which is funny because the movie's about strippers so um or the um you know uh the love interest really the love is actually about the platonic relationship between all the girls um that's the romance story uh between our two leads 
Uh, and the boyfriend's there for like 10 seconds. I don't know. And no one cares about him. <laughs> he's like terrible the whole time that he's there yeah. and then he's gone. So it's like whatever. <laughs> and I, I was really struck by that as well. The lack of male gaze uh, in a movie set in a strip club because there's there's you see breasts and things like that, but they're just a fact. Right there, it's not like like gazing longingly. The only shots that are really like that are when Ramona's introduced and she's doing her her dance. But that's because you're seeing it through the eyes of the clientele. Right, every other time that you're seeing the women together, they are often naked. They're they're scantily dressed, but they're it's just it's just a fact of nature. Right. Yeah, and that focuses more on her dancing. Mm-hmm. It's her body, of course, because that's part of it. But um, you even see it from the perspective of Destiny seeing her for the first time dancing. I mean, she's seen Ramona backstage. She knows what her body physically looks like. But when she sees her dancing, it's something about the, the movement. And she, like, falls in love with her. You know, that's that's the main part I got from that scene. Totally, in the full body shots, right? It's not close, in, close up on her ass or, or, or things like that. Or, or it might be in passing, but it's not the focus of those, uh, of those shots. It's the full person that you see. <laughs> no, like her whole body is an instrument of her work, showing how, again, this is realistic. This is real work and sex work is real. The other scene that I really liked in terms of when we're talking about the portrayals of sex work and like I know this is a good movie when it makes me think of like oh yeah correcting me on my own kind of stereotypes was when the women are all talking about uh, they're in the dressing room and there's um, Lizzo and there's uh, Cardi B and they're talking about like their boyfriends or their uh, partners etc but it like when one of them says like I haven't had sex in two years but like it made me think about my assumptions of being like oh these women can get whoever they want but it's like oh yeah, you could be a sex worker and be asexual. Like that had never like occurred to me. Yeah, I mean, if your job is working at night most of the time when most people have uh, their social time, it's very alienating to have your work schedule completely flipped on the other way, right? And um, this is work where... Uh, and we see this when Destiny is um, getting getting on stage and having to pay out the the managers and giving bribes so that she can ensure that she gets stage time. This isn't you know easy money, and so these girls have to work like a lot a lot of hours. So it makes total sense that uh, relationships would be kind of deprioritized. And that's also uh, depicted with. Uh I believe her name is Tracy Lissette or Trace Lissette. Um, she's the character in the, um, that's her real life name, but <laughs> in the movie, uh, her boyfriend shows up to the club, right? And, you know, we have that depiction of, of you know, all types of work, especially when it's weird hours or there it is stigmatized work um, is going to have an impact on your social relationships, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's fair would argue that the film says it's not really and um you know there that relationship would be interesting to flush out but also i don't really want to know about the men at all (laughs) (laughs) well i think that it also shows that a lot of the negative repercussions of doing sex work arrives from the expectations that other people put on you so i think that um that relationship in particular that you're talking about fia where he's showing up to the club and she's reassuring him that she's just she's just dancing and he's very stressed clearly um it just kind of shows that uh she's also 
not only is she managing her own career, but she's also like emotionally managing other people's reactions to her career and um, kind of trying to um, keep it on the level. And those kinds of situations can escalate into violence. I was quite worried when I was watching this movie that that's what they were going to show or someone being stalked or, or those kinds of things to kind of because that, that's so often the narrative that is explored um, in in movies depicting sex work, but uh... yeah, jumping on that, like not having anyone depicted. Like I know uh, Destiny gives a blowjob at one point for for money, and she's a little bit pressured in, into that situation. Um, but I did enjoy that they didn't really depict any kind of like violent uh, assaults, sexual or otherwise, against the women, um, especially like as someone who uh, is a victim of sexual assault myself. I think it was really great, like not to be triggered in that way during that movie. It was great to be able to go as a woman and see a more empowering film about sex work and not be, like, accosted by, like, a rape scene or a sexual assault scene. I was, like, because I was worried about that throughout the entire film, so that it was really great that that wasn't, like, a major component of it. I thought that was important. And not that it's not uh, necessarily a major component of sex work because it it can happen and it does happen and um, to no fault of the sex worker themselves, of course. Um, but I think what you're saying is important is um, it didn't highlight it, but at the same time, it didn't say that this is not not happening. Exactly, you know what I mean? Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally agree with that. And I think that they just they also showed the indignities of working in a sex work job where the guys are like balling up their money and tossing them at it. And it can be very degrading, um, which is you know, the experience that people have in all kinds of jobs, right? If you go in and you're being abused by a kitchen manager or um, they they show it uh, when Ramona is working at Old Navy, I think, and her boss is saying, I don't give a, I don't, I don't care uh, if your kid's sick. I'm, I'm not the dad. So figure it out. Right. And those kinds of like little humiliations that workers are subjected to all the time under like capitalism uh, is kind of nicely linked in those ways. As we're kind of wrapping up our discussion about the film itself, should we kind of have uh, go around the table and have everyone kind of talk about your opinions of the film? Do you think it's feminist, Um, et cetera? Yeah, I think absolutely it's feminist um, because feminism is very complex and can mean a bunch of different things. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the film itself, you know, centers women and their relationships and their stories and feelings first and foremost. And I liked it. It is something different to see a movie that centers non-white women and relationships between various types of non-white women. So that's just not something you see very often. And I think most people, I mean, it depends. Obviously, segregation is a huge issue and self-segregation is a thing. But I think a lot of people know a lot of different types of people. And I think that, you know, a film that focuses relationships between women who are not white is important in itself just for representation. Yeah. Uh, like I said before, I think that this uh, film is very anti-capitalist at its heart, and it kind of does a lot to um, engage with the liberal feminist discourse around, like, we need more girl bosses. If there's just more girls in the boardroom, then um, we would be in much better positions, right? <laughs> um, so I think that this uh, movie... Um, 
really takes a hard look at what uh, power does to people and what working uh, conditions do and what happens when you become a boss. So I think that uh, it's the opposite of uh, girl bossery, which is a big A plus for me. Yeah, I think this film um, looked at feminism in different different intersections of class, of the hierarchy we place on different types of work, and kind of broke that down. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting look at breaking down stigma and stereotypes we do have about sex work into labor issues and not just scantily dressed women and um, all those things we have associated with sex workers. Yeah, I really enjoyed the movie. It had a lot of actresses in it that I like. I was like, yeah, Lizzo is in there. I was like, I love her. Um, and I agree with everything else that everyone has said around the table. I think I think it was a really good movie, and I definitely left like on my drive home from the movie theater. I was like feeling pumped. I was like, yeah, I love it. I wish I had a fur coat like J-Lo. So I was definitely into it. Yeah, I love, I love the fur coat representation. Very yeah. important. You just heard our roundtable on the film Hustlers. Now, Wen is going to tell us about some wonderful feminist events that are taking place in Edmonton this week. Hi all, before we close up this show, I would like to promo some really awesome events hosted by the University of Alberta's Sexual Assault Centre for their Awareness Week campaign this year. Each year, the Sexual Assault Centre hosts an Awareness Week every fall and winter semester. Awareness Week is about recognizing, reflecting, and having conversations about the ongoing issues of sexual violence we see in our communities and how these issues are inextricably linked to other areas of our lives and society. This term, the campaign is called Consent in Everything, meaning how we can think about consent in all aspects of our lives and foster a consent culture. For example, in the instance of relationships we have with the land, how do we bring consent into this picture? Now on to the events. There are three main events going on that may interest you. If they spark your interest, I'd really encourage you to go for it. First of which may be the most low-key one, tabling. Volunteers from the center will be tabling at different locations every day during Awareness Week. If you would like to learn more about the issues of sexual violence, the work the center does, or have conversations about related topics, this would be a great way to reach out. The second event is called a Night of Knowledge Sharing. This will take place during the evening of October 23rd at Dewey's. The presentations will be short, rapid-fire lectures from folks in the community about consent and how it relates to their particular line of work or area of interest and how that connects to sexual violence. Applications are still open if you would like to do a presentation yourself. This is sure to be a really informative and fun night. The last event is an installation called This Is What It Feels Like on October 23rd from 10 to 2 on Substage. Men Edmonton will be setting up a box one can enter to experience what it feels like to be sexually harassed on the street. The aim of this event is to engage folks who typically do not experience sexual harassment to understand the impacts of it. Of course, a choice to participate in this is completely voluntary. As for many of us, street harassment is a daily experience. There is no pressure at all to interact with this installment in any way if it does not feel good for you to do so. Thank you for listening to all these plugs. I hope you can make it out to a few. We've come to the end of this week's episode of Adam and Eve, Edmonton's only feminist news program. 
We produce this week's show in the studios of CJSR-FM 88.5 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada on Treaty 6 territory. We are grateful to be in Amiskwichi, the traditional territory of the diverse Indigenous peoples of this land, including the Cree, Blackfoot, Métis, Nakota Sioux, Iroquois, Dene, Ojibwe, Soto, Anishinaabe, Inuit, and many others whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. Thank you very much today to Laura Cruz, Fia Frisky, myself, Otta Mornchuk, and Rose Eva Forks Jenkins for being part of that discussion. Adam and Eve is a spoken word project of CJSR-FM 88.5 at Edmonton, Alberta, and our journalism is funded by you, the listeners. For more information on our program and to send us any feedback, please contact us on our Facebook page under Adam and Eve or tweet us at Adam and Eve, all one word. We're always looking for more volunteers to help out, so if you're interested in learning any aspect of radio production, just get in touch. Stay tuned in for our next show in two weeks' time, where we'll be hosting Fun Drive Live. The theme of Fun Drive this year is homegrown radio, so we'll be featuring lots of amazing content about that. We'll also have lots of great prizes. It's going to be an awesome time, so make sure to tune in, pre-pledge, and donate. So thank you very much for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Wen Chan and Autumn Mornchuk, and we hope you have an adamant evening.